0: And welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mikado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for tuning into episode number 196. Those following livestock markets will know that there hasn't been a whole lot of good news and optimism floating around. And there are a few factors behind that. So after riding on a high, very strong pricing and in some case record pricing for stock for so long, the fast and hard correction we've seen in the last two months or so has come as a bit of a shock. Add to that the deep concern of foot and mouth disease and it hasn't been a breeding ground for positivity. But we caught up with our good friend, Ron Rutledge, Livestock Development Manager for the southeast at Nutrient Ag Solutions for today's podcast episode. And I think there are some silver linings in there. And it's a timely reminder that all disruptions aside, the fundamentals are still good. So Ron shares his insight into why we're seeing a roller coaster ride on the sheep and lamb markets, what the outlook is for the spring flush, demand for red meat, and some of the dynamics he's seeing in the cattle market. To touch on this week's market movements quickly, Victoria is where the bulk of sheep meat processing occurs, and we'll talk a bit more about that in today's episode. But the lamb market was generally softer there this week. In New South Wales, though, prices bounce quite strongly on lower yardings. For cattle, we also saw prices improve across the week, despite some big numbers of cattle appearing in northern yards. And next week, we will be back reporting on the wool market, with sales resuming after a three-week winter recess. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I'll leave you with Ron Rutledge and Robert Herman.
1: Thanks for tuning
2: in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision-making, or accounting services and business software solutions, ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website, or give them a call to find out more.
1: Well, it's great to welcome Ron Rutledge back again, Ron. Uh, we know that you um, you're travelling all the time. You're talking to processors all the time. You're hearing about the lamb thing all the time, and and we really want to get that information out today. Um, I'm going to lead off with a big question, though, Ron. We're seeing a roller coaster ride on the sheep and lamb markets at the moment. What's what's the underlying causes of that? What's behind it?
2: Oh, uh, thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, we seem to meet uh, in this spring period of the year every year. Um, look, I think it's a, we have to go back to last spring when we had such a, a phenomenal spring. It allowed producers to keep stock because there was surplus feed. Um, they all had the opinion, well, they may as well use the feed that's ahead of them. Um, and all those lambs have been trickling forward since January. And we've got to the, the prepatest part of the year where it started to get cold and wet. A lot of producers were, were, were normally going to exit those lambs because it's normally the high sell part of the year. So there was a, abnormal numbers kept. Then we had this little bit of a blip on the radar called uh, FMD came to our light. Um, It distracted a bit of confidence. And in turn with that, we've got very cold and very wet through some of the Southern precinct. And we've got a little dry in parts of the Northern precinct, which culminated to a perfect storm where uh, there was a bit of reaction and everyone wanted to move all at once. Um, We had our processes still trying to gain their feet with full staffing schedules. And, uh, It's just culminated in where we are today. It's been a bit of a snakes and ladders rise and and fall, but I I do trust that we're through that worst. And uh, we've cleared a lot of stock out in the last month. And that gives us good presence to go into the spring with a a bit of a a revised uh, slate. And uh, uh, hopefully prices start to rebound from there.
1: Let's just tease out a few of those points because I think that's a really good high-level summary. But uh, I just want to tease out the, the issue of old-seasons lambs. And you made the point that, um, you know, we did push lambs back. We also remember that in January, the, the process had a terrible month in January, didn't they? So there's still old-seasons lambs around, and I guess they're trying to find space. Well, will that continue to be a problem as we get into the new spring lambs coming through? Um, it'll be a problem for the short part of the spring. Um
2: not forgetting processes had how to forward contracts in with producers as well. So there's been some lambs at very high prices contracted. So they had to try and wash those lambs through their systems as well, as well as to counteract with the lambs that were, were coming through the, the normal channels of marketing. Um, I think it'll settle down into this new selling season. Um, the seasonality looks as such that people don't need to rush lambs onto the market and they'll be a little bit more organised and a little bit more uh, aware of where things are at. And I think we'll progressively have a few big couple of weeks in different spots. But I do think that seasonal conditions are providing to a lot of areas that people can just say, look, I think we'll just take, uh, take stock of where we are. We won't try and huddle everything into one spot. Um, And let's just try and organize our marketing a bit more. But usually there is a bit of an epicenter that starts to happen late September, early October with a lot of lambs coming forward. But um, one has confidence that, We've learned a little bit over the last couple of weeks that if we do start flooding flooding uh, facilities, um, the cause and effect is there with the demand and supply curve.
1: Well, we talked to Adam Mountjoy a couple of weeks ago and, and he made a really good point that we've got different markets. So down here in the south where I'm sitting in Hamilton today, but you know, they haven't even marked a lot of their lambs, but on the other hand, you've got lambs out in western New South Wales that are almost ready to, mar- to come to market, and then you mentioned about the flusher lambs that we usually get, it comes from uh, Wagga and Dubbo, but those lambs are just back a bit this year, aren't they?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um We had a phone hookup up with about 25 staff this morning, and uh, even at Broken Hill and Hay, they're still dealing with uh, old seasons lambs still at this, this time of the year, which is quite unusual, but that's the seasonality that they've been able to bring that tail and let them go and bring them back out again and now they're starting to muster, so there's a quite a condescending um, view going on out there in the western division that they've got old season lambs being mustered with new season lambs as well so there's yeah. a bit of a, a mix and match of both both types, but as you say, the, the further you're treated to the south and in Tasmania, there would be a lot of lambs not even born yet, so there's a bit of time to bear, so what I'm getting at is that, that the organisation of of big floods of numbers might just be a little bit more preceded and a little bit more spaced out than we've seen over recent years. And that will allow uh, processors and, and others to get their their uh, ability together to to handle some big numbers as well as the traders. You know, the traders, we've got to keep them in mind. The guys that buy lambs to put on stubbles and and the like, those guys have just washed out the last of their old lambs and they just need to reboot and uh, and go again.
1: So one of the, the things that attracts people to, to trade lambs and turn them out is, the, is this heavy lamb market we've seen over the last few years. And, um, you know, we've noted that last year or this season just gone, the average carcass weight was over 25 kilograms carcass weight, Ron. But that's driven by the U.S. market. And Angus put up a report this week that noted that while we've seen a bit of a decline in the price of legs of lamb in the U.S., Uh, The racks of lamb has held pretty good. And so at at the same time, I think you're aware of it, Ron, is that, um, you know, export volumes have stayed pretty strong into that market through this last recent period.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, our fundamentals in our meat trading business haven't really changed. I mean, the Americas are going into their more warmer part of the year, their grill market. Um, Yes, there's been a a few issues with different um, COVID issues and the like in different parts of the world. Containers is still a massive issue. I think the containerized business of getting uh, meat from Australia to uh, overseas ports is still a considerable issue. Uh, chiller space within the, the chilling fraternity in the bigger cities is at a premium. So for the, the processes to go the next step, we just need a little bit of uh, light in the tunnel with the, that middle part of the business of getting the product from A to B. I think the A bit's fine, the B bit's fine. It's just that in in the middle in the middle bit to get the product there is, probably where the bottleneck really starts and it comes down the line from there is their capacity to handle great numbers so yes i think uh, this year people will be trying to buy the the heavier end of the the store type lamps to take forward and i think that the price structure last year we knew that was it was exceptional but this year it allows people to get back at a what we'd call uh, a regular or more reflective price to buy their store lamps as price to sell and i think that all goes pretty well but. People will soon realise that there's a there's a good opportunity to be taken in a trade, and that will suffice in some of the store lamb purchases, and that'll allow that they they can produce lambs into the winter uh, with a good return.
1: So, in your um conversations with processors and 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 all the I know I know you keep regular contact with all of them. Um, how's their throughput been going in recent times? Because even though the price has come back and and in some markets the numbers have come back, are they still putting plenty of lambs through?
2: Oh, yeah, I think you'll find that this week's throughput, even this 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 week, is up by about um, 6 or 7%. I think they're all getting on top of their staffing issues. Um, they're growing exponentially slowly. Um, I think this wave of COVID that we've seen throughout some of the southern states is probably starting to abate. And most processes are telling me that they're getting towards or heading towards 80%. And I think their, their big intention in the next six to eight weeks would, would be to get to 90%. But keeping in mind... They can manufacture the animal, but they've got to go and put it somewhere, and that's the, the bottleneck that we're finding is the the whole bottleneck of from the processor to uh, to ship and then ship on to the next destination. That's where the process is falling itself down. So I think processors are working really hard to try and shift that product a bit quicker from the plant through to the uh, through to the next destination. But uh, it's 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 easy breaking up. And as the demand for containers starts to uh, get a little bit easier, I think that whole word containers has got a lot to answer for.
1: Yeah, exactly. And look, we know uh, that the, the back of the envelope calculations that we do at Mercado, we know that the export value of, of, of sheep and lamb meat um, has been at a strong level. And and with the, the easing in sale yards, it means that processes have been getting um, pretty good value uh, and, and, and a good margin, I think. Uh, So that's going to encourage them, Ron, to keep ramping up. And um, we know we speak to Wilbart, that Gundagai meets regularly. Um, We know they they accept this challenge of the spring flush of lands, if you like. Um, But I think this year they're going to be going all out just to um, uh, have the capacity going at record levels or as much as they can and take advantage of this season coming through.
2: Oh, definitely so, Rob. And I I think we've seen in the last 10 days, some of our – well, 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 produced uh, local processors, i.e., Victorian processors that would process to a domestic market, are all finding that they um, they can actually start selling a bit more meat domestically because they're finding there's a little reduction in price for some of their commodities in the supermarkets, and that's actually having an auguring effect that their domestic processors can actually get some good gain and some actually increased meat sales because of the prices come back domestically, and uh, hopefully uh, us Australians. Can eat a bit more meat i think we're going to find out with this with the renewed price structure
1: i just want to um, switch gear for a minute uh, just to talk about cattle run it's interesting that uh, this week there are reports that victorian processes we know cattle numbers you know get get pretty scarce down in victoria but victorian processes were heading were were strong buyers out of queensland markets now that's got to be telling us something
2: well it's telling you that we're in a deep part of our winter cycle we haven't got uh, polished numbers of uh, grass-fed uh, cattle coming from our paddocks you know, in Victoria. And uh, there's a, there's a cascadement of numbers because it is the dry season in Queensland where the mustering is taking place. And yep. there's been some big volu- volumetric yardings at uh, Dolby and Roma and so forth this week. And our normal flow of uh, processes to the north happens and it's happened again. But there's been some very big numbers uh, be bought out of uh, the Queensland markets to come and be processed in uh, Victoria this week. And that's, that's a seasonal thing, but it's to do with price and making things happen. So we are seeing that if you've got prime fed stock uh, in the marketplace, um, if you listen to the market's reports, you'll see that the cows and bullock market has actually taken a, a fair rise this week because of the inability to find slaughter stock at this time of the year. Um, notwithstanding, even with our feedlotting programs, there's been a better demand for the production of feedlot cattle as well to try and get some... Some killable cattle in the system in Victoria and for the international market. So we're seeing a rise on both ends. Um, we had the the, the basically a, a stoppage for a, a week or ten days until everyone worked their worked their systems out. But we are now seeing a, a real renewal of of stock coming from north to south. And ironically, it wasn't that long ago where stock went from south to north. So we're seeing the complete opposite of it now.
1: So the um the, you know we hear we hear a lot of um noise in the market and and you know there's commentators telling us that you know things are going to hell in a handbasket but when you dig into some of the facts like you've been quoting us today and we've been talking about Ron things don't look too bad I think well one of some of our prolific breeders
2: of stock in the country have got great mottos let's control what we can control as producers agents and farmers and let's control what we control and yeah, look we know we we've, we've been there's been a threat threat uh, my gate to our animal industry for some time with the uh, with FMD and other other exotic diseases as we know, but we've got a world standard uh, system that can uh, cover a lot of that, and uh, I think we're in a pretty good stead to to go forward and put it as a bit of a blimp on our radar or as a reminder that our, um, our product is world class, and I think going forward, uh, uh, you know, we we're, we're in a pretty good space compared to some of our uh, uh, friends not far from us that have smaller flocks and uncontrollable uh, geographics so they can do things, but I'm rather confident that we will get through this little phase in a not too distant future, and we'll say, "Well, it was a good learning experience for everybody."
1: I think you're right, and I think the bit where it reminds us of the value of our products. So the value of our products on the global stage is is reflective of the um, biosecurity status we have, and we we've been reminded of that. But we've also been reminded that we need to do everything to protect that. And and I think that's going to be a positive that's come out of this whole episode, Ron, where everybody's just a little bit more aware. You'd be surprised how many people we've had calling us saying, look, just what can we do at farm level? I mean, are you talking to um, the people you come in touch with, Ron, about just their own local domestic um, farm gate biosecurity?
2: Yes, well, I went to a producer's place only last week where they said, look, could you – Please wash your boots before you come into our sheep yards. Now that that can be argued as being very, very scientific in, in regard to their uh, their protectionism in, in regard to animal health. But you know we are become more aware, and, and and certainly through COVID we've become more aware of what to do to protect ourselves from virus. And I think the the sheep and cattle industry are doing similar. And there will be some restrictions put upon visitations of some of these primal spots. But I go back to the pig and. Uh, 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 chicken industry well they've had those biosecurity type measures for a long long time and they are very very stringent about what comes and what goes into their uh, aggregations and I think from a sheep cattle
1: uh, point of view we're probably just going to follow on a similar trend. I think that makes really good sense Ron. Um, I'm also hearing from you and and I'd like your comments on this but I'm hearing from you that the the stories that we've been reporting on—that you know, the the new free trade agreements that are in place, um, the strong demand for our um, product on global stage, our red meat protein—it's um, even though we're seeing things very, um, what did I say at the beginning of a roller coaster ride in the markets? Roller
2: coaster, yes.
1: It's not—it's not a bad outlook, Ron.
2: The outlook and the fundamentals of our whole meat industry haven't changed a lot. You know, I mean, we've still got a very good product. We've still can, got a good and good, range of supply of product. Um, we do it at world's best standard. We've got a low dollar. You know, we've got a lot of things going for us. And, and these reductions in prices should make our product even more uh, attractive to a, a foreign uh, foreigner wanting to buy some of our commodity because we've got everything going for us. And, well, you know, some of the other parts of the world are probably not as organised as we are.
1: Well, look, Brian, it's been terrific to talk to you and um... – It's really given us a a good perspective on what's ahead. Um, We know that you're out there, out and about uh, all the time. So that information that you're gathering all the time, it's just uh, terrific that you're prepared to share it with the listeners on Commodity Conversations. Um, Thanks very much. All the best. And I reckon it might only be a few weeks' time and we'll be calling you back again. Yeah, let's hope so, Rob. I mean,
2: the, the, the nutrient business is, is positive is 101 at the moment. We've just got to keep telling our producers everything will be okay. No Armageddon. Everything will be fine. And I think if we can transmit as much of that positive information around the traps as we
1: can, I think we'll all be better off. 100%. Thanks, Ron. All the best.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription which will give you full access to all our archive of reports as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again and until next week, take care.